Hey everybody, it's Joe. And I'm Aislinn. Welcome to our dinner table. In this episode, we have so much fun. You called it a foodie episode. I did. We talk a lot about the food and the garden and all the good stuff coming and yeah. If you stay till Table Topics, you can win. Table Topics to go, we'll tell you how. And you can learn how to nominate us to win a little bit of an award. That's right. And now, dinner is served. Well, good evening, everyone, and welcome to Dinner Table Talks. I am your host, Aislinn Campbell, and with me, as always, is... Joe Hilliard! Or as the girls are saying, the meme, Joe Hilliard. I'd like to see some of the memes of you, because I know they exist out there. You're talking about my daughter's friends making memes of me? (laughs) Yes. Uh, I guess I would like to see some of those, too. (laughs) I hear they're favorable. She says that you are literally a meme. Yeah. You're just jealous. No, I'm not sure. Were you a meme when you ran for mayor? Did you ever become a meme? No. And we're recording this on Super Tuesday night, so it's all, you know, political season. Oh. And I don't want to get too deep into that, but I guess that's a nice segue into the notion that, speaking of voting... <laughs> speaking of... Our local magazine, The Bend, we, in fact, we talked about that back in episode 24. A couple episodes ago. Yeah, the... you were involved in helping choose the top 25 hot places to eat in Corpus Christi right now. Yep, and we talked through that. They're doing their annual The Locals list. And, you know, they're trying to find the best hairdressers and the best... DJ. Right, and the best... Art museum. Mexican food restaurant. Your city has this thing, too. Date well, night. Girls night. Well, we're up for best local podcast, and you can help if you went to... And I guess the easiest way to find it would be on one of our social media pages. We'll have it for you when this episode drops. And you can nominate us. Or you could get there if you just go to the binmag.com and The Bend Mag. Yeah, and then you click on the little thing up there that takes you to more things and it'll give you local list twenty twenty. So in arts and culture, find podcasts and just click nominate for your favorite podcast, Dinner Table Talks. We are your favorite, right? And you're telling all your friends, right? Right. That's an unanswered question. Are you you telling all of your friends? Please tell all your friends. Speaking of unanswered questions. Unanswered questions. Do you ever find that when you listen back to the episode after we've recorded it, that some point you wanted to make didn't get made? Yeah, always. Okay. Or or that I really use the wrong word and it makes me sound very uneducated. (laughs) Well, in the heat of the recording session, that's... I totally understand that. Yeah. We were talking about fish sauce and last And you can't week. edit that, by the way, just as a side note. Right. Hey, that I- part you can't edit unless we just like completely redo it. You know, like re-record this thing because you sound like an idiot, Aislinn. You've done that a couple times. You yeah, didn't come, say the idiot part. But. Right. Come, come in here and we're just going to record. Can you say the word purple? Because you said <laughs> the word green and purple. So in the middle of our great conversation about fish sauce last week, I completely forgot a point that I was trying to make. Remember how I talked about Do you about know it? what I noticed last week? How handsome I was? That I interrupted you a lot. Oh, did you? Yes, I did. I'm working so hard not to interrupt <laughs> you. You did good, which I think it's possible that I might have thrown off your fish sauce game. <laughs> well, you didn't know where I was going. I did recount the story about how I thought we had fish sauce. It was not in the refrigerator. Yeah. It was in the pantry. And we were wondering, can it be used? Is it a perishable does it need to be refrigerated after opening and the answer is no i begin talking about how fish sauce is made real quick they use anchovies salt and water and it's put into a wooden barrel to ferment and then slowly pressed so that as 
juice is removed from the anchovy through osmosis with the salt, it's trickling down into a large container. But, but the reason the original... why it's fermented is because of the heavy use of the salt. And that it is fermented means that it can go into your pantry, not your refrigerator. But just because something is fermented doesn't mean it doesn't have a shelf life. Well, I think it probably depends on what we're talking about. You can age a bottle of wine for near ever. Until you open it. Oh, uh, true. No, you're absolutely right. You can't stick a... Like ketchup, for example, is a non-perishable. It's why you find it on a restaurant table in room temperature. Right. But you can't leave it there for three years. Of course not. Right. So fish sauce is good for about six months to one year. Even after opened. Correct. Well, now we know. The magical power of fermenting. So the question for table topics last week was, were the teenage girls got involved in it? Right. Right. So the question was like a moral question. Like, have you ever decided not to buy anything because you had a moral problem with it? Correct. And your answer to the question, you say, I got an answer for that. I've stood by this one a long time. Mm -hmm. And you said, I don't eat veal. Correct. Well, then we had to look up what a molleja sweetbread actually is. Right. Because I asked the question, like, young cattle, yeah, steer. In the back of my mind, I was like, I bet they're from veal. Well, yes, are the thymus gland and sometimes the pancreas of young cattle. Uh-huh. Is that veal? I know where you're going with this. Veal calves, for the most part, are unwanted male calves from dairy breeds, primarily the offspring of Holstein cows. With the advent of artificial insemination, only high-bred pedigree bulls, whose sire producing cows, are kept from breeding, and consequently, male calves have little value to the dairy farmer. Right. Why would a dairy farmer need a bunch of male cows around? Exactly. So, therefore... They cook them. Right. Or yeah. we, we eat them. Correct. Now, my problem with veal, I think I know where you're going with this. My problem with veal, and I don't want to go too deep into it, is the type of production. Your wh- problem with veal is industrial production. Well, it's the type of production where they contain the young cow, the calf, in a way that it cannot move so as not to at all toughen up the meat. They alter its diet with milk mostly so that it is basically anemic and the meat is so tender and white. You have seen case studies of these young calves going to desperate measures to try to get iron in their system, to try to get, you know, nutrition. But the farmer in me would say, have you talked to a farmer about what veal is? Well, as I understand it, in the cattle industry, you've got pasture-raised veal as well. Calves that are able to live the life of a cow. Would you eat that veal? Yes. It's not about killing... See, now we got to get into the whole ethical thing, and I hope that we don't, (laughs) about eating meat. Because if you're going to slaughter an adult cow to eat beef, I guess I don't have a problem with that cow being younger than. It's the treatment of these animals prior to their slaughter. Gotcha. That's my issue. That being said, I got corrected last week on the table topics as well. Before we got to sew this up, if mollejas is something we want to try again, and it is commonly a young cow, how are you guaranteed that the young cow is not the byproduct, the awful of a calf that I have a problem with the way that it was raised? I don't know. I don't know how to solve this. The only way you do it is you go to our friends with Turkey Hollow, someone like that, and you go... No, they wouldn't have that because they don't have... I know, but Mojejas is not something that I'm looking to do in my own home. I want to go do uh, get some of those tacos in the on the border towns in that Texas Monthly article from last week. I mean, this gets to the heart of the way you and I eat. We like to know where our meat comes from. We, we go to, to Dairyland in the United States and we um, find a local 
farm to table restaurant, which we would do, and they have my yehas on the menu, and that's when you eat it. Well, that's exactly right. I think, <laughs> I, think, I think that that would be like a divine intervention that you're supposed to eat moyehas today. There you go. So I got I got a little check too during that whole thing. This is me just running my mouth, is what this is. You just run your mouth sometimes without I, knowing exactly what you're talking about. Yeah, I do. That's what unanswered questions is all about: cleaning up last week's mess. <laughs> I can just run my mouth. I can say anything I want because next week you'll you'll correct me. Well, no. (laughs) We were talking about Jimmy John's last week. Lily and I think that was your daughter. Yeah. I don't eat Jimmy John's because he kills big game, I think she said. Yeah. Elephants and stuff like that, which I had heard that as well. And then I made the joke about having sex with a shark and okay. Ultimately, you found that that is not him in that photo. Well, they made a meme out of it. <laughs> a few years ago, there was a photo surfaced on the internet of a Fisher person nude straddling a beautiful shark that had just been brought into the boat. And that guy looks remarkably like the founder of Jimmy John's Sandwich Restaurants. But Jimmy John is a big game hunter. And his photos of him with big trophies like elephants and leopards that might or may not be endangered are all over the internet and have prompted the boycott that your daughter spoke of. Well, there you go. Do you have a problem with big game hunting? Traveling to Africa for the sole purpose of bagging an elephant, for example, Uh, or a lion. Yes, I do. See, I don't see the value in that. We live in South Texas. This is hunting country for for Texas. I mean, well, that's not true. I don't hunt. There's a dove season, a quail season, a a bow hunting season for specific animals, certainly white-tailed deer. We eat venison that our friends, we eat wild I eat wild game, and I am happy to eat wild game, Mm -hmm. and I am thankful for the gifts that my friends harvest for me when they go out hunting. I have no problem with that kind of hunting where the meat is it, the whole the purpose of it besides the sportsmanship the tracking is the meat consumption i got no problem with that you don't eat an elephant well right you don't eat a lion there's so much to that whole concept the whole concept of why hunting has value is that it's interesting to me that your daughter has an aversion to the big game hunting aspect of this she's decided she's compassionate about that I don't think I like the big game hunting either. So one of Lillian's friends said that uh, the thing that she won't purchase is fair life milk. And I didn't know anything about this. I'd be curious to know if you did. Early June of last year, 2019, a nonprofit animal rights group called Animal Recovery Mission snuck into the factory at fair life milk and took video of... It was... I watched the video. It's pretty gross. Employees slapping, kicking, punching, yeah. you know, stabbing, mm. beating with, you know, uh, some of the, the cattle. And the notion is that that had been going on for a very, very long time. And it gets back to what we were just talking about, like the ethical treatment of the animals we use for food. Sure. And I think I agree with this one. Oh, definitely. Now that boycott went wide. That boycott went large, and Fairlife Milk was pulled off of a lot of major grocery store chains. In you know, after the reaction of the public for seeing this, so that's a market situation. It's the public saying, "Look, if that's the way you're going to treat these animals, I'm not going to buy that milk." So I, I kind of agree with Lillian's friend on that one. All of the things when it comes to my meat snobbery, it's not just about ethical treatment, although certainly every sentient being has value to the whole. That's too important to me to cut it out of the conversation. But of course, the health 
of the animals and the health of me and the health of the environment based on raising animals and all of those types of things go into the interplay of how I feel about meat and my meat snobbery. I just wanted to follow up on those two things last week because I felt drastically ill-informed on what these girls knew all about. It is true. If you talk to your kids, they have a lot to teach you. Uh Uh-huh. Let's get right into some great food that we eat this week. I had two really, really tasty lunch meals. And I want to, yes, and I want to talk specifically about them because I, I don't know if I've mentioned this before, but I like and don't like cold food. I don't mind cold food. I don't mind co- cold meat. I do oh, not you like... you don't want me to heat up meat. I don't, re, I don't want reheated meat. Right. Now, a big old casserole or some reheated taco meat to go in or meat redone into something else... I don't see that as the same. But, but if, like, I, if I make a steak on Friday, you don't want a warmed up piece no, of steak God, on Saturday. No, well, that's just an overcooked piece of steak. Mm-hmm. Cut it, slice it up and put it on a salad, you know, or in the past, slice it up and put it in bread and make a sandwich or, you know, whatever. Because we talked about plowman's supper in the past, we right. talked about charcuterie and we talked about the whole concept mm-hmm. and the, the idea behind plowman's supper was basically just the lunchbox. Right. Let the housewife you know, on the farm, make up the farmers some lunches and send it out with them. And so they sent them out things that were fermented, it could be served cold, could be served at room temperature, whatever, would be fine to eat out, you know, at the lunchtime hour. I got home, knew I didn't want to heat up any food, and so started pulling things out. So you had made a pork chop, mm-hmm. pulled the pork chop out. Hmm, what else is in here? Dig around. Ah, my cauliflower. You had made my cauliflower from the garden, roasted it, Mm -hmm. put the turmeric on top. Anything else special with that? Just roasted cauliflower. I did it Nicole style from our last Friends with Benefits. Uh I just stuck cauliflower and broccoli that night into the oven. So that was my cauliflower. It was a little bit of it left over. Mm -hmm. All right, some carrots, some young, fresh carrots. I've got Chev. Oh, let me get some sauerkraut sauerkraut made at the farmer's market chev sold from the farmer's market got myself a new bottle of kombucha what else do i need some spicy raspberry jelly and a little bit of the habanero sauce so i literally ate carrots dipped in chev cold pork chop sauerkraut with some raspberry dressing habanero sauce and drink some kombucha with that cauliflower the roasted cauliflower cold the roasted cauliflower was cold too satisfying meal it was perfect it was like a plowman's lunch it was like perfect just just start pulling stuff out of the fridge yeah so then i come back a couple days later and i'm like i think i can pull something like that off again so i pull out that was so nice i have to have it twice (laughs) the night before you had made with four cups of tomatoes from my backyard Yes. Oh, my Yeah. This is a momentous occasion. Yeah, you had produced for the first season, I think, a quantity of tomatoes that you could actually, we could actually make like a big sauce with. We're not just holding the one tomato for the salad. Yeah, you just hadn't had luck with tomatoes in the past, huh? It always has to do with timing. Yeah. It's really always about timing. Well, you've got one tomato plant that's just spitting them out. Yes, spitting them out right now. You ripen them. It's the black creme. You ripen them in a paper bag. And then every once in a while, you'll say, Joe, here you go. Boom. Two beautiful tomatoes or one, two, maybe three tiny little well, tomatoes. Let, let, let me tell you a little bit about my whole process. Go ahead. This is this is good. You have to watch the tomatoes for a little bit of red. On the vine. Have to. If they're bright green, don't take them off at all right now. 
leave them alone a little bit longer. Once they get a touch of red, that's when you harvest them. And then you can take them and put them in the brown bag. But here's the other fun thing that I've been doing. I've literally been every couple of days taking a census photo of my tomatoes. So you can see like... All equally represented correctly in the census. There's no census gerrymandering. How many people are in the census today? And then how many, you know, all of it, the green, the super, super green ones, the ones that have a little red. I've got this bowl of all the different tomatoes. You're going to win and lose, win and lose, win and lose. Cause every day they're available for you to use. And now I've gotten to the point where there's enough of them that I can uh, not just pull them out of the brown bag when you need them, but I can actually pull the ones that are ripe enough. Like I don't want them to over ripen out and put them in the bowl ready to go. Well, you told me a few days before we did this. It's coming. Hey, you want to make a sauce? Because look, I've got a larger quantity than we've been used yes, to. Yes, yes. And I said, hell yeah, I do. Okay, so so there were four cups of black creme tomatoes available for you to make something with. And you had some chicken from a couple nights before, a night before or whatever. Oh, marjoram. That was the other thing, was that I had brought in a big bunch of marjoram from the garden. Well, and, and these journeys are usually, I've got marjoram and tomatoes and chicken. Google that. Right. And so I did. I Googled it. I was like, here, you make this. He made it. It was real juicy. Yeah. But I really, really liked how juicy it was. I, I made some pasta at the last minute to because it was, it was a runnier sauce than a, yes. than a thicker sauce. Yes. So what I ended up doing with it for lunch was I grabbed up some of the good, I think they're lentil pasta, one of the brands that I got at the Trader Joe's, little spiral fusilli, whatever, uh, Rotini. Did, did a quick, super quick boil, because it takes only like five minutes to mm-hmm. boil then water. Waiting on the water to heat up is the longest part of it. This is during my lunch hour, and I'm my lunch hour is quick. Got to get back to work, you know, everything. And then I took the greens that I had harvested from the yard, lettuce, Swiss chard, kale, arugula, Malabar spinach. It's all nice and mixed up. I took a few handfuls of that out, washed it real good, put that on the bottom, Put the uh, sauce with the chicken all cold on top of that. And then got the feta, goat cheese feta from the farmer's market out of the refrigerator. Put maybe five chunks of feta and then poured some of the olive oil out of the feta onto the top of that. And basically ate a chicken tomato salad, pasta salad with green. I ate a salad for lunch. (laughs) It was great. It was fantastic. Oh, I've said that a couple episodes ago that like, when I make a meal or think about the next two or three meals, I always, for the ones that I think you're going to enjoy the most as leftovers when you come home for lunch, make 25% more than I normally would. Mm-hmm. That's working out for you? Some of the, it's in like Lillian, for sure, she'll take stuff too. Like if it's there and it's easy and she mm-hmm. can easy, eat it easily, yep. easily at school, she'll And then she keeps it. the Tupperware in her backpack for five days <laughs> and then gives it to me. And I say, no, 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 no. Oh. That is yours. <laughs> Speaking of lunch, we went to Journey Lunch today. Oh, yes, we did. Yes. That's the thing. We've talked about it a couple of times where every two weeks we go with a group of friends to a restaurant that is in a category. Right now we're doing euros. Yep, euros. Two weeks ago, you weren't there. Yeah, that happens. I wrote down this conversation because I wanted to have it with you. <laughs> I'm ready. Every four of these lunches, we stop doing the thing we're doing, euros, because we're kind of burned out. Like, Uh let's take a break. Uh This time we went to a new restaurant. Gotcha. It was Bien Merite here in town. Uh It's a coffee place with pastries, but they're starting to do lunch. So they had some delicious sandwiches. 
but I'm at this beautiful coffee place. The co- the kind of coffee place where when they make the latte, they put the leaf shaped pattern of milk, you know, on top. You know, uh-huh. what I'm talking about fancy, delicious, like really well roasted coffee, a latte that you grab. Uh huh. And most of the people at the table did the same thing. We're drinking coffee. We start talking coffee, and it comes up that coffee is one of the last acceptable addictions. First thing, wake up, make coffee. You follow me? Uh Uh-huh. Are you addicted to coffee? No. Are you sure? Yes. You get pretty grouchy if there's no coffee in the house as a surprise. What's the definition of addiction? I don't know. You tell me. Something about if you get angry if it doesn't exist in your life. I've seen that with you. Yeah, but I've also lived perfectly fine without it. Because I went without it while I was dealing at the beginning of the thyroid thing, and if, I was shaking all the time. I, I went without drinking coffee all summer and all through the like. So you could September. quit cold turkey if you yes. wanted to. Yes. We just choose not to because we enjoy it. If I don't need to quit it, there's no reason for me to quit it. It's good for me. I like it. It's not bad for you. The addiction is not bad. For Six you. signs you're addicted to coffee. Okay. Number one, your head starts pounding if you skip it. No. You're super grumpy before your first dose. I'm not super grumpy before my first. You can't concentrate without being caffeinated. No. You need more to get the same effects that you used to get. It doesn't affect me like that. You're always a little on edge. No. You just can't bear to say goodbye to it. No. See, I feel that way, the number six, but I don't have these other five symptoms. We drink a lot of coffee. We drink coffee every day, every morning, one of us. And I drink coffee all day long now. Do you? Yes, I do. Because it's available? Uh, Yes, because it's available, because I don't have time to eat. A lot of days I don't have a beautiful cold lunch sitting for me at home, <laughs> or, I don't ha- or I have a busy lunch and I don't have time to go do it. Stephen Colbert. I listened to him talk the other day about how he drinks a cup of coffee between each commercial or what, yeah. whatever, a, a couple of sips. Because it cleanses my palate and makes me just a little bit sharper. Right. And I thought, yeah. And, I, I and, get that. And it tastes good, too. So, yeah. We drink coffee. We like good coffee. I think we can tell the difference between yes. good coffee and bad coffee. Yes. There is a weirdo occasion from time to time where I have to buy mass-produced the best part of waking up coffee. I drink. I, I drink that. Um, but you at can work. taste it in a second. What coffee is this? What? Hey, hey. What coffee is this? <laughs> we were completely out. The stores closed. I had to get some Folgers. Well, you that's don't, you better don't spit than it out, running three pitchers of water through the same cup of things of coffee because you haven't before. bought any coffee. That happened recently. <laughs> Sorry. And I wasn't angry, but I was like, "This blows," and I'm too lazy to go to the store. I'd rather drink half-assed coffee than go to the grocery store. You know, you are harvesting, as you said earlier, a ton of lettuce. And I know you got a big arugula patch out there. I've got greens. I've got a lot of greens right now. The lettuce is really just starting lettuce to come Lettuce is on. a type of green? Uh, yes. All lettuces are greens, but all greens are not lettuce. Correct. I got you. So one of the interesting greens that I have this time is a volunteer patch of arugula. Explain volunteer. It means that it went to flower, went to seed, reseeded, came back up when their timing was right for it. A big patch of arugula that you did not purposely plant this time around. It came from last year's yep. harvest. And it'll happen again. That's my. That's where arugula lives. <laughs> Volunteer sounds like easy gardening. 
Oh God, it's late. It I'm just a, I'm comes a, up. I'm a lazy gardener. I'm going to write a book someday. But arugula's got that spicy taste. Uh, it's actually an acquired taste for some people. And uh, we, you're bringing all this arugula into the house. It's and, nutty. Yeah, I don't exactly know what to do with arugula. It's not super spicy, not the kind I grow, mm-hmm. but it's definitely nutty. Like, it's definitely got its own flavor. So so the chicken that I was talking about earlier. With the tomatoes. Yes. That you grew. Yes. Well, that was the leftovers from the night that you roasted a chicken. Right. And you roasted a chicken. And in the midst of you roasting a chicken. I was, yes, I was just going to serve I'm chicken. the woman that complains. Yes. That her man has cooked her a roasted chicken. Yes, you do. Because <laughs> like, I said... What are you going to do with that chicken? I'm going to yeah. slice it like a turkey. And, and I'm like... And we're going to put it on the plate because that's all I want to do. And then I'm like, mm, okay. That's lame. But I've been harvesting all this arugula and I want to do something with arugula. And also, I've got this dill over here that I had to harvest because I guess powdery mildew growing in the garden. So I got dill and arugula. What can we do with that? And you're like, I'm not doing... I'm going to roast... Ugh. And so I go and look it up and then I find basically most things, there's not like some magical casserole of arugula out there. People aren't using arugula in that way. They're using arugula primarily to make salads with. So I did find you a recipe. The recipe was arugula and chicken. Really all it was, was a dressing. Some good dressing. That yeah. I that I tossed with the arugula. And I'm going to post this recipe because you should put this dressing in your life. The base is champagne vinegar. We did not have champagne vinegar. So I used a raspberry vinegar half and then half white wine vinegar. That dumped out on the floor, fell out of the refrigerator, dumped out on the floor. Yeah, that has nothing to do with this story. <laughs> Be careful when you open the refrigerator door. <laughs> And then you accent that with Dijon mustard, minced garlic, pepper, olive oil, and um, scallions. I just used like a green onion. I got to work the next day and I had to tell the story about this meal because we were eating it at 11 o'clock at night, it first of all. It was a late night. <laughs> so we had recorded the podcast. I think we recorded a podcast. Yeah, yeah, you're right. And then you had roasted a chicken already. I had harvested a bunch of arugula dill. Mm-hmm. I walk in the kitchen after we've already decided on arugula salad and roasted chicken, and I go, well, what are you going to do with those potatoes? And you're like, well, I was going to make mashed potatoes and add turnips, because I love turnips. We buy turnips from the farmer's market. Well, I was going to suggest that you use the dill in the potatoes. Right. Because dill and potatoes is really good. So I think you looked up a recipe, right? I did, but the recipe couldn't have been easier. Right. It was a very slight modification to the way I do mashed potatoes which is i walk in the door when i know i'm doing mashed potatoes and i roast in the oven 425 about 35 45 minutes ahead of garlic yes you slice the pointy end off to expose the 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 cloves you put olive oil on it you wrap it in foil and you stick it in the oven Mm -hmm. set it and forget it 45 minutes when the timer goes off pull it out let it cool in the meantime you've boiled your potatoes I add about 25% of the total boil is turnips. Mm-hmm. It, allow, it gives us a way to eat turnips, but it also I puts a spice and a depth mm-hmm. to those yes. potatoes. Yes. You put the entire head of garlic into your thing, a half a stick of butter, sour cream, if you have it, or Greek yogurt, and then splashes of milk until it gets just as creamy as you want salt. And then you added dill, too. Then I added finely, finely, finely chopped minced dill. Uh-huh. And, um... Dill. And I said, come taste this. And I think you said, add more dill. Add more dill. 
And I did. You said, I'm putting my potatoes on top of my salad underneath my chicken. And then it looked like a five-star dining. And then I tasted it. It was the perfect combination of the oddest mixture of things that we had just come up with because we had it in the backyard. It was really, really, really delicious. It was really, really. And it could have been because we were eating at 11 o'clock at night. <laughs> but no, really. It was delicious. It you was. Put, you put those dill... Mashed turnips on a shoe, and they taste good, right? <laughs> well, but you, even the chicken, you gave me the dark meat. I love dark meat. It still had the skin on it. It still had a little bit of a green, whatever, parsley or whatever you had sprinkled on it or whatever. Mad scientist. It was so, so freaking good. Enjoy. And then I did eat leftovers of it. Cold mashed potatoes, because dill, sour cream, cold mashed potatoes sounds delicious, and it is. So I ate that like three times probably i just grabbed some out of the refrigerator and ate it so yeah you're hooking us up dude welcome to the leftover show with joe and (laughs) yes indeedly well what you're doing is you're taking all these different greens that you're growing and you're sticking them in ziplocs in the refrigerator and so that means i've got a ziploc full of arugula and a ziploc full of swiss chard and a ziploc what else you got in there Hey, now we've Kale got fancy and a bowls. Full of There's fancy bowls in there, I'm just saying. Understood. We're not we're trying to avoid <laughs> the single use plastics, but at the same time yeah. you gotta preserve the food that you've grown and some yourself some fancy plastic bowls and hold on to them. So I will typically tear out of each bag and make a mixed salad with all of it. Mm-hmm. We use a salad spinner. I've learned that a salad spinner is just a very essential piece of kitchen equipment. Yep. And if you use a lot of greens and you herbs and sure. fresh and wash and yeah. So we're eating salad the other night with the girls. I can't remember what the whole meal was, but we're eating them that, that mixed salad. And inside that salad is some arugula and other things. So what I had started doing was these fancy bowls that I'm talking about. Actually, there were the leftover bowls from nice mixed salad bowls that we were buying from the farmer's market. Now I can make different kinds of mixtures. So over here in this one, I've got kale. So if we decide to make greens, then it's nothing but kale. And I've got three or four different varieties of kale, beautiful different colors of kale. And then I've got this one over here that is the salad mix. So it's all the youngest pieces of kale and the youngest pieces of Swiss chard and the lettuce that I'm pulling out of the yard. And I throw a few pieces of arugula in there because arugula is a pungent flavor. So if you're eating a a salad that has the very mild flavors of Swiss chard and lettuce, arugula is going to be a noticeable taste. Here we are sitting at the dinner table having conversations with our teenage daughters. And all of a sudden, my daughter goes, Ooh, that was spicy. And I go, Oh, that was the arugula. She's like, I don't know. I don't like it. But the best part is, is as she continues to eat, she eats something else green. And she goes, Ugh, that tasted like brown. Like, what? <laughs> she goes, This, this salad, one of these salad varieties, one of these lettuce green varieties, tastes like brown. How brown tastes, how I imagine brown tastes. I recounted a story of a mutual friend of ours and how her son, she was telling us, how had some kind of thing, some kind of condition where he would mix and match senses. And so he would say, Mom, this tastes purple. And she'd get so frustrated. Since her language, her taste language didn't include purple, she couldn't duplicate that taste. I don't know what purple tastes like. (laughs) I tell that story. And Savannah goes, yeah, that's called synesthesia, a word I've never heard before. (laughs) They know the thesias in middle school now. Talk to your kids and let them teach you from time to time. (laughs) 
Yes, I guess so. It's a different world. It's a different world. Synesthesia, I learned, is a condition in which one sense, hearing, for example, is simultaneously perceived as if by one or more additional senses such as sight. One in 100,000 deal with synesthesia. I don't think that your daughter has this condition, but the idea that she had tasted brown in that salad. I mean, I can understand that kind of stuff because when people talk about seeing auras and feeling like certain things like I, I do that I see auras in people and I feel a certain feeling like a cold or a dark or a not necessarily a color no maybe I do feel colors on people I probably do feel colors now I don't know that I've tasted a color but maybe it's only because I haven't put words to that before and I don't eat skittles Right, so I've never tasted the rainbow. Never. I That's guess, not I true. Guess, I guess when I was You've younger. tasted the rainbow. I've tasted the sour rainbow, and it literally made my tongue raw. Oh, what? Sour Skittles? Yeah. No good? It, like, rubbed the tongue off my tongue. And speaking of generational, I mean, we're off of synesthesia now, but it's interesting how your grandparents' candy, mm-hmm. like a Werther's Original or Hard Ribbon Candy, and how that evolves into what we enjoy... <laughs> It's friggin' true, right? You go to your grandmother's house and you pick up a piece of hard candy and the whole bowl comes up. It's all stuck together and humid and gross. <laughs> Whose grandmother's house do you go to that it's like that? No, when I was a kid. Well, yeah, but that was in the 90s, the 80s. I'm talking about shifting changes over it's time. It's 2020, Joe. Uh, you're, you're, you're trying to tease me rather than hear my point. And that is, is that we did not, we weren't raised. I wasn't raised on sour, but sour oh, it's very being popular. all of the rage. Warheads. Ex- and exactly. But like the super duper sour. Remember Warheads came out when we were, well, you're older than me, but Warheads came out when I was I, in I, elementary I, school. I remember when Warheads came out. <laughs> Just gotten my first walker. <laughs> Okay, so it is now that time of the show that I love so much. It's table topics. We script a little bit, but this thing is completely unscripted. (laughs) So uh, do you want to choose a category? I will choose a category, but why don't we give away a table topics to go this week? I would love it if we give it away. It's so simple. Aislinn, you're going to pick a card. We have not discussed or rehearsed this. You're going to ask me the question, and then I'll ask you the same question. Now, the way that you play along at home, go to our Facebook Go to our Instagram, find the question, and answer it there. Super simple. You you, you could also send us an email, talk at dinnertabletalks.com, or you can send us a voicemail, go to dinnertabletalks.com, answer the question. You are entered to win. We will send the winner, picked at random, a table topics to go. Yes. I'd like to do the uh, love and marriage ones. Are you going to do bachelorette party? Let's see what the heck this is. All right. Let's see what we got going on Since you say you're not going to have a bachelorette party, I don't believe you. I saw something the other day that made me interested. I'm going to do something. A bachelorette party in the true sense of the word is not something I'm quite that interested in, but I'm sure I'll do something. Some kind of party. Works for me. Like a tea tea party. That might have been what it was. Whatever it was, it was funny. I did get in touch with someone to do floral stuff. Okay. Uh, Wild veggie bouquet. I need to get in touch with that planning person that I told you I was going to get in touch with, the wedding planner type person. I'm surprised you haven't. Yeah, I know. It's, uh, there's a lot of life there's in my life. There's a lot of life. <laughs> we'll get there. We'll get there. But I did reach out to the wild veggie bouquet chick, and uh, I told her I wanted a headdress, which is the me in a headdress with a pretty wedding, hippie-looking wedding dress, and then some bouquets for the girls uh-huh. and, and me, too. What if I don't wear a boutonniere? Are we cool with this? Yeah. It saves us money, and there's no point. Uh, and the money on the boutonniere, I'm not worried about. I don't, I'm not going to wear an outfit that need... has a lapel. 
Okay, so I imagine that we'll have, I'm going to get in touch with the person that makes the real pretty paper flowers too. Right. Posh and Posy, I think she's called. Okay. Anyway, and so then she'll add in other flowers and then we'll figure out the rest of it from there. But my dad's apparently building something. I don't know. Wonderful. Things are happening. So that being said, the Bachelorette table topic questions. The world can't stop your dad from building something. <laughs> oh God, he's... He's, bu- he's building us <laughs> something to get married under or on top of or within. Yeah, it's around. All right, let's see what this Bachelorette party version of Table Topics is all about. You answer the question, and you can win uh, Table Topics to go. <laughs> Who's the strangest guy the bride ever dated? <laughs> see, I, yeah, I can't answer that. <laughs> You're going to pull another well, no, one? No, 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 we can amend the question. Who's the strangest girl that i've ever dated who's the strangest girl that you ever dated and then who's the strangest guy that you've ever dated is that what we're doing yes i frankly don't want to talk about the strangest girl i've ever dated you follow me that's what i was gonna say like that's not fair to her and who's to say that's even strange right exactly that's a judgy question i don't Mm, like it we don't like it we only judge big game hunters and (laughs) dairy cow abusers farms why don't you pick a second question to see if... These are even answerable? Yeah, see if this makes sense for the show. How are you like your mother? This is a good one. Good Lord. Okay, that's a good question. Yes, that's a good one. I wanted to protect the innocent with that first question. <laughs> okay. And all um, the other people we've judged on the show. How am I like my mother? Barbecue places, I avoid whatever. things that I don't want to deal with. Frustrating when my mother does it? completely non-aware of how frustrating it probably is when I do it. Now, Ace and I can... That toilet has been running for like six months now. Hey, listen to me. I bought the part and it's about two feet away from the toilet. (laughs) And if I didn't have a bunch of life in my life, if I wasn't a retired person (laughs) who could build things for their daughter... Okay. Well, what time is it? Maybe I could do that tonight. Here's the thing. And here's the frustrating part of it, even for myself. That repair will take nine minutes. But you're avoiding it because you don't want to do it. So you could give 800 million justifications. Yeah, but I don't mind doing that. Then why haven't you done it? Uh, I don't know. I'm lazy, I guess, at the end of the day. I mean, there's a lazy streak. And that means I got to go to Home Depot and buy the thing and then come back and da 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 da. But meanwhile, we're paying for the water that's running. And and in the meantime, I I have read every article that i could find on super tuesday on the computer right. you know what i mean right so yes, I, it's I know just what you mean prioritization <laughs> it's not even prioritization because that is a priority i don't uh-huh. want that toilet to run no you like to protect our bay we're all holier than thou about our envir- environmental personality oh, running toilet is hurting the bay yeah it's all hurting everything yeah it's running water that's good clean water yeah but Anything we do that's not in... I, I didn't necessarily connect the bay to the running toilet. What I was saying is that we're somewhat holier than thou about our environmentalism. Push pa- Meanwhile, Let's push pause. every single time I come to the house and you have been the last one to leave, there are lights on in every room. Oh, do you want to play this game? the toilet's running and has hey, been for I a like long this question time. because it's a matter Since of self-analysis. <laughs> I didn't ask to have a question where we then go back and forth <laughs> about what each of us does to annoy the other person because that's going to be a seven-hour marathon episode. <laughs> How are you like your mother? Oh, in so many ways. In so many good ways. My Okay, so the one that I'm most proud of like picking up from her is the willingness to stand up for what I believe. And 
the willingness to speak up for what I believe. She Can you think of a recent example? She makes things happen. No, uh, but I but I think of an I think of examples like this. If you get a bill in the mail, and they've overcharged you by five bucks, call them and tell them you've overcharged me by five bucks, and then they'll take it off your bill. But if you don't call them and tell them, they just made five bucks from you. But then it's like everybody's always so passive aggressive, like. They it's, it's, did, it's only they five bucks they, t- or... they didn't take they didn't give me back my five bucks on facebook meanwhile why didn't you pick up the phone and call them and say give me back my five bucks yeah. and my mom did that with insurance and i learned that from her the like pick up the phone call them and figure out how to solve the problem I don't want a second example, but that that example was boring. I'm going to say that's how I'm like my mother. I'm also like my mother in that, like, we're really kind of do do it your own way, kind of the way we dress. and But at the same time, in some ways, that's her like me, too. Or both of us like my aunt. Those things have adapted and grown and whatever. But the way I'm like my mom the most is that that thing that I just mentioned. Because my dad's more... Stand pa- up and speak for yourself. Yes. And my dad's more passive aggressive than that. But my dad and I are more like than my mom and I are. But my dad doesn't really want to get on the phone and call and have to have a confrontation with someone. And part of me doesn't either. But then the other part of me knows, because I've been taught, and I've seen the the return on the investment, that if I pick up the phone and make the call, it's going to solve the problem. I look like my mom, too. I look like the age I remember my mother when I was 12 or 15 or whatever, because... That's that's a thing every woman understands. Every everyone probably understands. You don't understand it so much because you don't have that same. No, adopted. You're not really like. You're like your dad. You're mm. a joker like your dad. You 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 hack up your pants like your dad. <laughs> what a weird thing to have learned. <laughs> well, how are you like your mother? Answer that question on our Facebook or our Instagram or send us an email or leave us a voicemail and you will be in the running to receive a Table Topics to Go edition of your own. Be a winner. Answer the question. What an exciting week. I guess the lesson to learn this week is listen to your kids. They've got plenty to teach you. Agreed. And also know that you can be wrong with your loud statements about people having sex with sharks. Hey, that was a great time tonight at dinner table. Thank you so much for enjoying us. Now, don't forget, you can find out all the different places to listen to us at dinnertabletalks.com. You can find us on all the social media places. And, you know, it's real easy with Facebook and Instagram at our dinner table talks. We want your interaction. You have a good evening.